Hi, my name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis. I've lived with rheumatoid arthritis for 17 years, and I'm also a mom, teacher, and occupational therapist. I'm so excited to share my tricks for managing the ups and downs of life with arthritis. Everything from kitchen life hacks to how to respond when people say you don't look sick, stress, work, sex, anxiety, fatigue, pregnancy, and parenting with chronic illness. No topic will be off limits here. I'll also talk to other patients and share their stories and advice. Think of this as your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to the Arthritis Life Podcast. I just wanted to give a quick introduction to today's episode. So this is actually from an Instagram live conversation I had with Aaron and Heather back in the fall of 2021. And as you'll hear, Aaron and Heather were both in the position so many people with inflammatory arthritis find themselves in, which is you try to kind of put together on your own a plan for how to actually live with this condition. And so many people, you know, they do the best that they can, but they need more guidance. They need more support. And honestly, it's just tough to go through it on their own. So in this episode, you're going to hear how the program that I developed, Rim to Thrive, has helped them on their journey. And if this sounds like something you would be interested in, I just want to make sure you know that I open registration twice a year in the spring and in the fall. And the registration closes on March 31st, 2022, and then it will open again in September. So I don't want you to miss your chance. If you're interested, you can find the links to sign up in the show notes or just go to myarthritislife.net. So without further ado, here's Aaron and Heather's stories. So Aaron, um, so you were saying that, you know, you had a hard time initially even just knowing what your diagnosis was, right? So that's kind of, it's hard to find where you fit in, I would imagine. It was so exciting to finally get a diagnosis that felt like it made sense to me because, you know, as is with any rheumatic disease, there isn't one category, one checklist that works for absolutely everybody. Yes. Um, I was, I had a doctor once that said, you know, we know what aisle of the grocery store you're in, but we don't know what shelf you're on. Mm. And really, you know, that resonated with me, but going forwards and and getting the rheumatoid arthritis and then following uh, the medication regimen for that, it really kind of hit home for me. And I was like, this makes sense for me. And that's when I really started to see progress with improving. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to know a little bit of your state of mind, like when you first joined Room to Thrive, like what, or maybe right before you did, like what was it that made you want to join? I know you had said before that you were a little bit hesitant to join because you know you had gotten a lot of information and you felt like you kind of knew the, a lot of tools, but, um, but what made you want to join ultimately? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So for me, I kind of surprised myself at the beginning of this, this journey where the disease really came on strong, um, because I, instead of kind of shying away from, you know, researching diseases, because I didn't feel good with the ankylosing spondylitis diagnosis, I really started researching and trying to find you know, put these like really confusing puzzle pieces together. And that was empowering for me. It didn't scare me. Understanding the side effects, understanding the long-term 
possibilities of the disease, I was so surprised how empowered it made me feel instead of completely terrifying me. And I know that's not always the way it goes. Um, mm -hmm. However, after feeling like I had my disease kind of under control to a certain extent, I still felt kind of empty. And I realized that, you know, I was trying to side more with the logic and more with the research instead of really tapping into like, what else do I need to get me through this as a human being with emotions and mm -hmm. decided to join the group because I thought I have support. Like I have, you know, a few friends and family members that seem to really get it as much as someone who doesn't have the disease can get it. And I feel good with the team of doctors that I have. However, it's just not the same as having someone who really understands what you're going through. And that was kind of what pushed me to join the group. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. I see Heather, you're nodding as well. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I don't know how I came across it other than I was getting really desperate to find some answers. And um, I take a lot of alternative approaches to things and I'm a visual person. And somehow you came across my feed. I don't know if it was online or, you know, if it was through Instagram or what, but you had a roadmap and I make roadmaps for a living. And I was like, roadmap, what is this? What, there's a roadmap? Like I would love to have a handbook that says how to get through this. And I just, I joined immediately. Like it was like, here's all my money, whatever it takes. And when I joined, I was like, I don't know what I was expecting. I don't think I knew it was a group of people who were going through the same thing. I thought I would just watch some videos, get some information and, you know, move on. And after the first session, I remember sitting there wishing that the meeting had kept going. Um, like, can this be longer? And I don't even know how long we meet, hour, hour and a half, two hours or something. But it's just supposed to be an hour, but it's usually an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh my gosh, not long enough. And no. it just felt like, I'd never been a part of a support group before and I didn't have any judgment towards it, but I didn't really understand the value and to be in a room with people experiencing all different kinds of things, but we all still had something in common made the chaos of having RA. I don't want to say normal cause I don't even like that word, but it was like, Oh good. I at least have a resource. I can, I can ask questions and, and actually, more of my questions get answered without me even asking them. Just witnessing everyone in the group has been so eye-opening, refreshing. Um, so if you're, for me, when I was alone with RA, I was scared a lot. And now I'm not scared. Oh, I'm looking forward to the next time we meet and learning more. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's exactly why I, I made it a group specifically. But, you know, even even after making Room to Thrive into an actual group program, it's still amazed me how quickly and how deep the bonds have been able to form between members. I mean, and it's just like, it's, it's one thing to maybe read an article online and say that, oh, it's normal to feel this way after you get diagnosed, but it's another thing to be in a live, you know, Zoom call and, ha and having someone be so vulnerable to just say, oh my gosh, I'm starting a new medication. And I'm, I'm a little bit terrified and have, you know, five people kind of say, I was too, it's normal, it's okay. You know, like you said, you kind of don't want, you don't want anything to be normalized because you don't want to have this disease in the first place. But given that you have it, yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing to have that, um, um, you know, this knowledge that you're not alone. It's amazing how connected we are via social media, yet we can still feel alone. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's funny you mentioned the roadmap because yeah, in a way, Room to Thrive is really like a blend of the information that I taught in that self-paced, I teach in the self-paced rheumatoid arthritis roadmap course, which people can just buy and take on their own. It's for the people that like, they want to do the whole thing themselves and they don't really want the support or feel that they need it at the moment. But um, I was using this analogy earlier today with Jatel. The room to five is like you have a, a tour guide almost. Like I'm the tour guide, but I'm also like a participant. So it's like I live here and I'm giving you a little tour because I've been here longer than you. You know. You know. Anyway, I'm just talking. I'm just talking about why I think the program's good. Obviously, I made it, so I think it's good. I do tell people, okay, if it's not for you, if you're wanting to like a, a methodology that's meant to heal or cure the disease itself, like there's Ayurvedic medicine programs, there's other programs that are designed for that. And so if someone comes to me, they're like, Oh, that's what I want. I will definitely refer them. It's really meant to be a blend of here's tools that can help alleviate, you know, the symptoms and help you cope and, and deal with the now the here, what is exactly going on now and connect to our present lives. So what do you think has changed for you as a result of being part of this group? I guess I have to say that so far, cause you have themes every single month. And mm -hmm. I read through what the upcoming ones were going to be. And I thought, oh, this will be really helpful. It'll give me the autonomy and the agency over, you know, over this disease that I really need. And I think we talked about mindsets. And I work for a leadership development company where mindsets, behaviors, and skill sets are our framework. And so I was able to plug your um, a lot of the tools that you gave us into that framework that I already hold. And it was just like, oh, this is great. So when we moved over to becoming the CEO of our care team, I have just been like in my element. This is my zone of genius. And everything you gave us from um, learning how to do all the different tools that you gave us. I don't know if, how much of the secret sauce you want me to give. You don't know. <laughs> It has been fantastic for me to feel like even though every day is crazy, I at least have, I am doing everything I can in my mm -hmm. power to make this an easier journey, to make this an informed journey. So the becoming the CEO of your care team has really empowered me to feel like I know what to go to each one of the people that are on my care team with what information. And um, I feel more informed now, not only about RA, but about my own body than yeah. I've ever felt. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, thank you. That, that's incredible. Well, and you know, I will say that when I first posed it as executive functioning skills or being the CEO of your care team, I was worried that that would feel like a burden to people. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm so tired and I'm feeling like I'm in a lot of pain, I don't really want to be the CEO of the care team, but the yeah. problem is long-term, like we've talked about in the group, you know, you are the one that's going to be in charge, kind of coordinating everything or someone else on your team is, but you're the one experiencing this. And so, yeah, I'm really, really glad to hear that was in part because I was a little worried at first that people, mm -hmm. I, it's almost like a harsh truth. I want to be like, here, let me tell you like the magic person that's in this, you know? <laughs> well, and they, maybe, maybe it is going to be difficult for some folks because they're not ready for it. I was primed. I was just mm -hmm. ready for that. And I wanted to feel that. And I know that if I would have been, if I would have gotten that three months earlier, I think I would have probably felt like, oh, this is too much, but at least I'd have access to it to get it mm. later. So for those who may be in the group that it's like, oh my gosh, I have to track what I have to do what, you yeah. know, maybe it seems like a lot now, but when you have a little bit more energy, 
it is it, it's been it's been so valuable for me yeah oh that's that's so that's so good to hear thank you so much what about you Erin what have been some of the things that you've taken from the group um I think the biggest thing the biggest two things that I've taken from the group are how impactful the sense of community is on like my day-to-day -day life and I notice a big difference between if there's a week where I'm unable to join the meeting, although, you know, having the, the pre-recorded to be able to watch later is so helpful because then you do stay connected to the rest of the group, especially mm -hmm. the kind of community circle that we have at the end of each lesson. Um, mm -hmm. Being able to show up and have that opportunity to, like Heather was saying, sometimes people answer your questions before you even, you know, I know there's been a few times that I've raised my hand to ask something in the meeting and, and put it back down because the question's already been answered, which is great. Um, yeah. The other thing really changed for me, um, or I guess become, I've become even more confident in it since joining the group is that sense of self-empowerment and being able to like, you know, do something for yourself that makes such a difference in your day-to-day -day life. And to have that validation of knowing that, like, what I'm experiencing is normal in this bubble. And it's really hard when you don't have anyone in your day-to-day -day life who can really relate exactly what you're going through because then you're more likely to question what you're feeling or the things that you want to talk about. And I think so many people with chronic illnesses are challenged uh, with ableist views with, you know, don't talk about it, just focus on what you can focus on things. And I'm not saying that positive thinking is a bad thing. It's, it, it's certainly not, but there's a time and a place. And when you have a disease that impacts every moment of your day and you have to plan ahead more than I ever thought I would to be able to go out and do something or, yeah just even for my future, what I want to be able to do, it makes such an impact to have this group in my life to kind of say like, no, like go for the things that you want, you deserve them. And it's okay if you have to do them differently than you originally thought or differently than a lot of other people in your life have to do. Yeah, that I would say is the most surprising has been the most surprising part for me has been how often ableism has come up either explicitly or implicitly, we realize that the shame that we feel, you know, in one of the weeks we talked about how um, our disease affects our, our work life and, you know, how it can feel like there's a sense of shame or reluctance to ask for a work accommodation and realizing, you know, why is that? You know, if this accommodation just brings me to the same playing field as everyone else, why should I feel ashamed of that? But it, yeah, so then when we question that, we realize, oh, it's because we've been taught that, you know, having a chronic illness means that you're weak or that you're, you know, that you should just try harder, you know? <laughs> and that has, I mean, it's been empowering for me leading the group just to see people supporting each other and, and seeing how they are saying, you know, no, ask for that accommodation, you know, you deserve it. Mm -hmm. Can I just say, I mean, I hate oh, to interrupt, please. but I didn't even know that accommodations was a thing. Like I knew accommodations were a thing in meetings because I run meetings and if someone needs, um, if they need something for their sight or hearing or whatever, I, I completely accommodate, but I never thought about it in my job. And 
it ha when I first learned about that, it happened at such a critical time because I was able to have those conversations with my boss of, you know, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what my capacity is going to be like, but right now I'm at like a quarter of the capacity that I was when you hired me. So what can we yeah. do in this situation or, you know, I'm okay if you need to let me go. Like I, I totally get it. And, and so they, they worked with me on that and, and my boss did, she was, she's fantastic. And of course, um, so, and she's been so graceful through that process, but I don't know that I could have truly, uh, known how to do that or truly believed mm. that it was possible without knowing that and learning that from this group. So, yeah. You know, the standard of care should be that all patients should be educated in all this stuff, you know, just as part of, you know, you get diagnosed and then you get all these maybe appointments with social workers or occupational therapists. But for some reason, that's just not how the systems are right now. So, you know, that's why I made Room to Thrive to help like plug in some of those gaps, you know, because like, yeah, yeah, you could, you know, you've had this for 10 years and you didn't even know. And you're very highly educated and like very uh, already like what they would call like, you know, a a good self manager, like you're being proactive, like you're, you know, you're reading stuff, you're engaged in your health, and you didn't know that this was possible. And it's the same. I didn't know a lot about managing my disease until I, until I got my master's in occupational therapy. And I was like, wait, this information's all out there. Like, why aren't patients getting the manual or the handbook, you know, the roadmap? <laughs> so yeah, oh, I, I'm just so happy. I'm this is this is making my day. The themes of the months, you know, like Heather was um, alluding to, like Thrive is an acronym. I'm kind of obsessed with acronyms. I know Jatel is too, <laughs> but um, TH is the tools for pain and fatigue and then like ha healthy habits or helpful habits. So tools for pain and fatigue is like direct things you can do when you're feeling pain or fatigue and prevention, you know, and the prevention is like the not sexy part, but it's like if we can, you know, prevent ounce of prevention with the pound of cure. And then the habits is like making sense of all the different, you know, lifestyle things you can do, nutrition, exercise, you know, and then um, R is relationships, like how our rheumatic disease can affect our relationships and social life. And we talked a lot in that section about like how to explain to friends and family that you don't look sick. And then um, the I is inner world with mental health and stress management. And V is valued activities. And then E is executive functions of being the CEO. Um, but so I was going to ask, like, um, were there any highlights in terms of like aha moments you've had throughout Room to Thrive? I mean, you already mentioned some, but were there just any others, like things that took you by surprise that you learned? I think for me, when we were talking about the uh, act, the acceptance and commitment therapy. I mean, I'm a yeah. believer in mental health therapy and it's made such a positive impact on my life, even, you know, pre-diagnosis. Um, but just really being able to talk about that, like in the community group afterwards, it was mm -hmm. a different understanding of it than I previously had. And to be able to apply it like, oh my God, why didn't I think of that? You know what I mean? To be able to apply that to my situation, my disease, I'm wanting I'm going through I found the acceptance and commitment therapy to be like even more uh, helpful than it was in my previous <laughs> not disease riddled life and yeah like even with all of these lessons even if it's something that I was previously tuned into having it brought up again you know a year into your journey like that makes a really big impact as well because they're in the beginning at least for myself I was taking in so 
much information and I just honest to God I felt like I've been like dropped in the middle of a really dense jungle and like here you go survive and then you know joining this group it's kind of like you look around and you're like oh there's like 15 other people in the forest and then you who's like really positive and happy and you know you have a, a very bubbly personality and I appreciate that because that's what you need when you're like in the jungle at least now I'm in the jungle with a whole bunch of other people so it doesn't feel quite so terrifying the jungle mm -hmm. is but at least I have this like crew of people beside me now. Oh, totally. No, that that totally resonates. And yeah, the acceptance piece, it's been interesting because it is about saying like, this is what the present moment is right now. And I used to be so stubborn. I was like, well, I don't want to accept what the present moment is, right? Like I want to make the program that's like how to never feel bad again, like how to make your pain go away. Like that's if that existed, I would make that like, you know what I mean? Like I've always said, like someone actually asked me who had done my previous program um, before Room to Thrive. Um, it kind of evolved into Room to Thrive. She said, well, are you going to be sad if there's like a cure for arthritis? I was like, oh my God. Uh, no, <laughs> because first of all, like um, I there's always going to be I mean, sadly enough, there's always going to be some suffering in life. And I think that actually being able to confront that head on and saying, OK, can I learn to function and have a good life? Like even with some degree of suffering, it's actually more empowering than saying, oh, I have to control everything and make it so I never, I always feel great and I never feel bad, you know, or badly. It's hard to make people excited about that idea, I think sometimes because I'll, I think, well, doesn't everyone just want the person who can make their pain go away, you know? But I mean, we've talked about a group before too, how, the, the control idea is just an illusion and it's really the same for anyone. And I mean, I don't mean to be a bummer in saying this, but like the floor can drop out from anybody at any time and an autoimmune disease, rheumatic disease teaches us this like boot camp style really quickly. And I just think that it kind of makes it okay to realize, wow, I don't have a lot of control. And in that there's like a weird gift because you kind of yeah. see differently than you would have had you not had this particular experience I mean in a way in a way the like the fact that I could have lived the first like 20 years of my life under this illusion that I was really in control is like very privileged view right it's like well and I always say I had a very privileged upbringing you know I love I had a great family you know I didn't want for anything wise or you know like base you know food or anything shelter all my basic needs and my love needs were met and so, you know, but yeah, I was able to have this illusion. Well, I'm an athlete. Well, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Like I do everything right. And so mm -hmm. I'm healthy. Like that's why I'm healthy. Instead of being like, oh, I'm just, I'm doing those things and that's helpful. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, because I'm so athletic or I'm so, I, I have a habit of exercising. I might be at less risk of like cardiovascular disease or osteoporosis, you know, long-term, but there's no guarantees, you know? And, and like, yeah, like Audrey, the Amplified OT says, yeah, suffering will always be there. It's just a condition of humanity, you know? And so if we make our baseline assumption that like our lives are going to have challenges, like they're going to look different for everyone. Every single person with rheumatoid arthritis or ankylosing spondylitis has a different challenge, even if we have the same disease, but can we persevere and be resilient and learn the difference between what we can control and what we can't? And I think that's what Heather, you you put a really beautiful comment on the on the Facebook group, um, where it was something like after the last meeting, like you've learned how to 
what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it was something about, yeah. about the kind of planning. So it's interesting because your, your post said something about, you know, plans kind of fall through and, and that's just a part oh, yeah. of all of it. And I said, actually, I love having a plan and because it helps me feel like I'm in control. But then when I, when that dumps and it's just not possible anymore, I learn how being a part of your group has helped me learn how to deal with that loss of control. And mm -hmm. for me, that was a big aha that, um, that I had to learn that for myself. And then it got much easier when I felt like I was disappointing everybody in my life, right? My work, my yeah. friends, my husband, and, and, you know, I can't go to that or I can't do that right now, or I can't even, I'm in the bathroom, like whatever it is, like I cannot. Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, being a part of this group has, has enabled me to, to really understand that I can try to be as in, in control as I want. And if that makes me feel good right now, okay. And also when it happens, the fall isn't so hard. It's like, pff, well, I should have seen that coming, but isn't that interesting? Uh -oh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But there are, there are pieces that we can control. Like, and I'll go back to the whole CEO piece. I mean, I've, I've kind of, I can't wait. I want to talk about this at some point, um, probably in our group about how I've been using creating new tracking systems that are beyond any of the stuff that you gave me, but inspired by what you gave me to like, Hey, here's a new tool. Do you want to try it out? So yeah. So that's, it, that was my big aha is that now I feel like, okay, I'm not in control of what my body's going to do today, but guess what? I do have some tools and mechanisms in place that I can have control over and use over and over again. Like this is repeatable. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I'll, I'll have more answers. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think that like, I've always wanted to be a specialist, but my, <laughs> I'm not, I'm a generalist. Like, you know, occupational therapy is a perfect example of a specific degree that is in the case of Rim to Thrive. In the course of six months, you get what is in my opinion, professionally and personally, the most important tidbits of information in the main areas that affect your life. Like you get information about sleep, information about nutrition, information about physical activity, information about stress management, relationships, work, CEO skills. But then you can choose to then do a much deeper dive. Like, like Heather, you were saying, I, it's almost like the first um, analogy I used for my programs was like a tour guide. And I also use it. I also think of it as like a job orientation. Like I used to be the orientation leader at the university of Washington medical center. And I was like, you know, there's, when you get an oriented to a new job at like a large facility like that, it's like, there's a part of it that's encouragement and welcoming and like raw, raw, welcome to our system. And then there's also like, here's the compliance training and here's like the boring stuff, you know, like, you know, within room to five, it's like meant to give you that orientation, you know, to the disease. And even if, you know, people have been asking me the last couple of weeks when I've been talking more about it, they're like, well, what if I've had it rheumatoid arthritis for a while, you know, and, and it's not even really about how long you've had it. It's about how confident are you in coping with it right now? Would you agree? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just put in the, I just put in the uh, chat that room to thrive is an onboarding experience for those with RA. It doesn't matter when you were diagnosed with it. It's like, it's, it's about meeting being a part of this and uh, getting the information that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to say something else, Aaron? While you were talking about your onboarding, like what a perfect person you are for that specific job to kind of welcome people in. And I, I think one of the things I'm really happy about the group uh, is how inclusive it is. I really feel like 
you know, we're, we all kind of have different situations in our lives, like whether it's work or family or, or even like the way we came upon our diseases and how we're managing, mm -hmm. you know, I've gotten close with quite a few folks in the group and learned a little bit more about them even outside of the group. And it's just such a great, like, I really feel like the world <laughs> could learn a thing or two from the kind of mindset that we have in the, in the group. And I think like a, an amazing thing happens when all of a sudden this really terrible kind of experience, because let's be honest, it's not anything anyone would wish to come across, but you're going through this right. terrible experience and you're empowered because you have these other folks beside you that are also in the same crappy experience that you are. And everybody's handling it differently, but kind of those like social norms are pushed to the side and you're mm -hmm. like, worry about how we come across or I mean, everyone's really kind. I don't mean that, but you know what I mean? Like worry about the, the small talk. Let's just get into it. And it's amazing mm -hmm. how I can't believe six months went past. It's just like flown by for me. And I'm so glad that, you know, I'm able to stay connected to the group because it's such an important element because otherwise I feel like I'd really be like standing there with my arms empty. Like, okay, what now? You know what I mean? It really has floored me. It is so quick that people who have something in common, like even if nothing else in our lives are common, there's different ages, you know, someone who just joined, they were like, well, you, even though I just turned 40, but you know, some kind of like straddling, like the kind of younger generations and the older, they're like, you know, I'm in my sixties, like what I fit in. And like, you know, there's, there's a huge range of ages There's a range of, you know, some people have kids, some don't, you know, there's people of different, you know, LGBTQ or, you know, there's just different parts of the world actually. And the, the new people who are coming in in October, there's, there's two from Italy and mm -hmm. one from India, actually there might be two from India now, you know, so it's, it's really like, and there in the past, there's been one from Japan, you know, so try to be like, inclusive of all, you know, culture. Is there anything I didn't ask yet that you wanted to say, you know, about the program or about just anything general, you know, this is like your time to have a microphone to give anyone listening advice on just arthritis life, like your life with arthritis. You both are very wise. I will say that. Erin's my hero. Every time she likes something I post, I'm like, she gets it. Oh yeah, my people, you know, and it's, and she'll post something and, and I go to her, you know how, I don't know about the rest of you, but I get on social media. I see what falls in front of me. Maybe there's a couple of things. Um, maybe I'll go search for it, but I'm always looking for the people in the group and each of you, um, your posts and what are you doing and what's there. And, and it just, it always hits home for me because one of the things I think we all do is we say, this is what RA looks like. And some days yeah. it's awesome. I mean, I am a warrior some days and some days I'm on the floor. So, and I don't have a problem showing those. And what I've learned by the modeling from everyone else in this group is that we can do it without emotionally vomiting all over everyone. We can do it by saying, you know, here's what it is. And it's also this, and it's also this. Oh, that's so, that's so true. We, we have a question from Sassy Mama. Love the name. Oh, I just froze myself. Um, how do you begin the conversation with your boss that you might need help or accommodations? That's not something I had to deal with in my empowered state of disease. Um, I am the example of what not to do. Um, back when this, honestly, when this flared up, I had so much shame and guilt about not being able to do things that I used to do. And now I, that's like, completely flipped around and 
you know, the best advice I could give um, is trust what your body is telling you and respect the fact that you have different accessibility needs and they're not going to match what everyone else with arthritis or ankylosing spondylitis, whatever it is. And I, I just think it's a, it's a big lesson in reaching out to others and it's wonderful that you're asking that question of what you would do because that's exactly what has helped me to feel empowered is to, you know, follow people on Instagram who talk about disease and accessibility and ableism. And the more of that you have under your belt, the more you're going to stand in your own power when you have to stand and talk to someone who perhaps can't relate exactly to what you're going through and to be able to communicate in a way where you essentially just say, I, I want to do the best job that I possibly can here mm -hmm. matters to me. And these are the things that I need to be able to continue to contribute in the, in the same, at the same level that I am now. Click. I think you just captured it perfectly. That's exactly what you have to say. And sometimes you, it takes a while to get there, right? It depends on the relationship with your boss. It depends on how much they know. And what you just said, those last few sentences were perfect but sometimes you can't start there and i look to you as having a lot of great language around it we have a couple of people that really stand out to me in our group that they speak up and i'm they'll say things and i'm writing it down i was like i gotta figure out what yeah. that word means I, I need to understand that context and i think what you just said was beautiful for me it was um a lot of shame and a lot of faking it till i make it you know like maybe this will go away maybe i can power through this and then finally after a couple of instances where i couldn't deliver i just said i'm sorry i don't think i can do this and and she was she's the one that said let's talk about it and i just was open i mean i wasn't you know i i just said i don't want to disappoint and this like you said this mm -hmm. job means a lot to me and i want to do my best so is there anything you know is there can i work less hours How, you know what what could this look like and are you willing to work with me and absolutely um, not saying that works every single time, <laughs> but you know, like you said, listen to your body and your gut and it will tell you, um, a lot of times what you need to be, what you need to, how you need to advocate for yourself. It, it, a common, a common accommodation for rheumatoid arthritis would be, you know, giving someone an ergonomic work setup at their, at their desk, allowing them to come in late if they have morning stiffness, giving them a break in the afternoon or multiple breaks. Um, allowing them to work from home for fatigue, for fatigue reasons. <laughs> um, you know, so, there's so many different accommodations and what it's meant to do is it's meant to level the playing field because you have a disability or you have a health condition, right? And that makes it so that you are having to already scale lots of barriers just to do the normal things everyone else can do. So it's not like you're asking for special treatment because you're not at that, you, you need, accommodation you know it's like somebody who's blind you know asking for you know something like a you know braille book is not trying to get special treatment they're just trying to get access to the same things everyone else has so that's how i see it that makes that makes me not feel like guilty asking for accommodations like but you're asking you know you're 28 and you're saying like how do i feel confident you know and when and 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 how do you deal with your boss assuming you're young and fit and the thing is at some point, most people have to confront the fact that somebody who looks well or looks not sick can still be sick. The other thing is, and we talk about this in relationships, the, re the relationship section, 
is that sometimes people take things better when it comes from someone else. This is really applies to like romantic partners. So that's why I also say, you know, if you can send them something from like the arthritis foundation or from like a neutral third party, send that to your boss, like, Hey, these arthritis foundation says like, you know, these are the, well, first of all, explain what you have, but then say, here's the top 10 accommodations that like they say, you know, then it's not just you, like they realize, Oh, this is like quote unquote a thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah, and Medicaid visuals. Yeah. And you had to leave your career because there's no reasonable accommodation. I'm so, I'm sorry. That's, that can be really hard. I mean, and I, I have to say that I, I was young enough and I was diagnosed that I thought about that pretty seriously but when I went into occupational therapy. You know, I was interested in physical therapy too. And I was like, you know, OT is a more flexible career with regards to, you know, having a not physically demanding job. And, you know, unfortunately, if you get diagnosed after you've already invested in a career that's physically demanding, that can be a really, really tricky, a tricky place to be. So we just have to say what's possible in the present moment, like resend to ourselves and, and get support. One of the things I was going to ask you too, and I can't remember, honestly, if you guys have done this, but had, had either of you guys, uh, Heather and Aaron, done Facebook groups before or like, you know, because so a lot of people that come to my group say I joined these Facebook quote unquote support groups and I got immediately like the one of the first things I did um, when I received my diagnosis was to join some Facebook groups and it was like pulling teeth to get me to join even that and I was like, fine, I'll observe, you know, and then I found myself wanting to give advice where I could because that's kind of more my comfort zone and another yeah. From this group is being able to be like oh wow i'm struggling too i need advice as well and um i did not have that experience in the facebook groups i think it's wonderful that people want to gather but you do have to think about and it took me a while to realize that the people that are often spending a lot of time in the support groups are there because they are struggling um so you have to take when you ask a question with a big grain of salt, a big giant tablespoon of salt, because you will struggle with getting a whole bunch of often negative feedback. And it's just because people who are having a good time, people who are in remission, they're not they're not going to sit on the computer all the time. And I just think that it can be can be a negative experience because there are so many people in that group that you don't really get to know anyone. And I think that's what I benefit, benefited from most in this smaller group setting is like, I know these people, they're not just gonna fling their own negative day at me and give me rotten advice. Like if they're having a bad day, they probably won't contribute and that's okay too. Right, right. Yeah, I think for my main issue with some of the Facebook groups and I don't, I don't envy anyone who volunteers to moderate a Facebook group. Um, I think that it's very difficult to moderate a Facebook group. So it can be so easy for misinformation to slip through or people to kind of shut down others when they, you know, oh, someone might say, oh, I'm so excited. I had my first, I finally got my diagnosis. I've been floundering in the medical system and I got my diagnosis. I'm going to start methotrexate. And then you get 20 messages like, oh, don't take it. It's poison or it's chemo. And it's like, oh no, you know, don't bring this person down. Also, like, don't make them potentially miss out on a effective medication. But hi, Amy, or thank you for impromptuly coming on this. <laughs> <laughs> we already had Heather and Erin share just a little bit about what they've gotten out of the Room to Thrive group. Do you want to share as well? 
Sure. I mean, uh, as somebody who was diagnosed during the pandemic, sorry, my cats are everywhere. It was like just a very, very isolating experience. You know, I, I don't know anyone in in my real life, <laughs> my offline life with RA. So, um, you know, in the midst of such like an isolating experience that we were all kind of sharing in and then getting this kind of out of the blue mystery diagnosis of, of RA, it was just you know, it was such a godsend to just meet with other people who, um, you know, newly diagnosed and, you know, veterans. So it was, it was just incredibly helpful, you know, because the only other person in my, in my life in Miami who, you know, I had to talk about um, RA was my rheumatologist. So, you know, that's like 10 minutes every, you know, three weeks or whatever. So I'm so glad. Yeah. And I just, I'm like, my heart goes out to everyone diagnosed during the pandemic because, you know, it's hard enough to just get this disease and have to wrap your mind around it, but to also have to wrap your mind around it during a worldwide pandemic with so much uncertainty, you know? And I think that's been one of the biggest, for me, stressors in living with rheumatoid arthritis has been uncertainty. You know, is it gonna get better? Is it gonna get worse? Or should I take this medicine or that medicine? So I think just, you feel so alone in coping with uncertainty on your own and you feel like maybe there's some obvious answer that someone else has but then when you go to the group you realize oh we're all coping with uncertainty like i'm not just doing something wrong it's just reality <laughs> weirdly enough it can be um it can be really really validating so is there anything else anything anyone wanted to say before we wrap it up i can't wait for the next meeting <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. It's this Saturday. Yeah, and, and so one of the FAQs I've gotten some um, DMs about is right now people ask like what days and times are the meetings. And so right now the times that have worked really well for people are either like Saturday around noon Eastern, nine thirty a.m. Pacific, or um, Thursday afternoon slash evenings, depending on what time zone you're in. But I always do at the beginning, um, send out a doodle poll and I'll be doing that where we kind of make sure those are still the right times for people. Thank you. I'm grateful for all you for, you know, for doing this, for coming and, and taking it, I guess, a leap of faith on me because this is not a, you know, a, a widely done thing. Like what I'm doing that there, there are in person historically, they'll call it chronic illness, um, self-management groups. So let me correct myself. There's a wealth of evidence that chronic illness self-management groups work and they help people improve their self-efficacy, but there hasn't been a lot, there haven't been a lot of people doing it online. And there haven't been a lot of people specifically doing it for inflammatory arthritis. There's a lot of groups, best practices for groups for like diabetes and for other conditions. So I appreciate that you all invested in, in Room to Thrive. And um, you know, I was, feeling very optimistic that it would be really great, but it was even that it's been even better than I hoped. So, and I, I attribute that to the quality of the members. So I'm like, tell me how you found me so I can continue <laughs> recruiting such wonderful people somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Dawn. I'm so glad that you've had a good experience too. It really is. It's really the, they call it, I guess, in, in psychology, like the group process, like that therapeutic value of just being with others again even virtually um it's really it's really powerful so thank you again i think I'll, i'm really bad at ending conversations <laughs> well i'm that person on the phone is like bye i love you more no i love you more i would say thank you so much for creating this program because you're right there isn't really a lot like it out there and it's made such a positive 
impact and you are a great leader in these groups. And I know we all, feel, um, you know, despite the fact that we all happen to get along as well, which is like really exciting. It's so great to have you leading this program and Aww. the fact makes it even more accessible. So it's great. Thanks, Cheryl. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. But thank you all so much again. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, a membership and support community where you'll learn how to develop your own Thrive toolbox so you can live a full life despite your rheumatic disease or chronic illness. Learn more in the show notes or by going to www.myarthritislife.net. You can also connect with me on my social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even TikTok. Check out the links in the show notes.